0: God is so good. So, so good. And I can say that today more, more so than I could even last Sunday. Because each time I see Him moving in my home, my family, my behalf, my wife's behalf, my kids, my grandkids, I say glory to God. I want to speak to you today about grace. The grace of God. Now, when I say the grace of God, you probably think of the song Amazing Grace. And you might even think of grace as unto salvation. Is there anything that compares to His matchless grace in that regard? No. Can't compare. There's no one who can stand before Him and say and brag and bring out all of their great accolades unto themselves. God is all by Himself in that regard. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like the King of Kings. There's no one like Father God. And if you know the Holy Spirit, Oh shh, we aren't supposed to say that in certain churches. It's the way it is, isn't it? Oh the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said that is the 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 job, the task of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin. That's what I was praying into. That's what we were praying into. And nowadays, if you feel convicted of sin, you say, oh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Shall we? If someone is unsaved and I'm praying for them to be saved, am I judging them? I am. If I point out someone's Weaknesses and flaws and speak condemnation unto them. That's bad. That's a no-no. Jesus never did that. Grace is something that is wonderful. It provides mercy and love and peace all in one bundle. Boom. There's nobody like him. Anywhere. want to call your attention this morning to John chapter 1. Larry, I'll put it up there for you. Hey, there it is. I want to read 16 and 17, and there are two parts There's a part in each of those verses, and you'll see in a moment. I want to draw our attention to the second part first, and then we'll come back for this part. But let's just read it for right now, that I've fully confused everybody. Out of his fullness. Prior to that, he was full of grace and truth. John chapter 1. If it's been a while since you've read it, go back and read the first chapter. It's wonderful. Out of his fullness, out of his being full of grace and truth, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you see the two parts there? Okay, the first one is, out of his fullness, we've been given grace upon grace. We've been grace added to grace. Grace for grace already given. And we'll come to that in a moment. But I want us to look at this part. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. You see, John is comparing something here out of the grace and truth that is just flooding his being as he's writing those first few lines in his gospel. When John was was reading that, if I can go between the lines and get a sense for context, I can see John being astonished. His remembering being astonished to meet the Lord Jesus the first time. And what it was like to walk with him for three years. How did John meet him? It had something to do with catching a bunch of fish i mean a bunch enough for all of them and it was a great it was a great stashing away of sorts a nice putting aside of some money to start their trip of walking away from their nets and leaving their vocation and nobody could look at them and say oh you are just you're you're just totally responsible for doing that Have you ever had someone tell you that? I have. I was irresponsible for quitting a vocation as a residential electrician and leaving and going into ministry full time. Does that bother me? No. Because the person came back to me later and said I was wrong. (laughs) But it does go to say, be patient with people. That's part of grace. Be patient. But here's John. He's writing down what it was like to meet Jesus. Because he's going to go into the story. And he's beginning the story from the beginning. Not as, as Matthew and Mark and Luke may have, but he is going at it in a different manner. And he, he says, out of his fullness... We've received grace upon grace. And he says the law was given through Moses. They knew that, didn't they? The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. Let's, let's think about this for just a moment and then we'll take the next step. But think about this. The law Came through Moses. The law came through, it came third person. It was impersonal. It was very impersonal. Yes. He did. Very good. Yeah. The Pentateuch. Yeah. Torah. Moses, remember, went up to the mountain to get that it was written on stone tablets and he came down and he relayed that to the whole camp in fact god spoke the 10 commandments when moses came down god spoke it was audible that's a great oh i love preaching that part man that's just who there's just so much in that but it was impersonal it was harsh it was cold. It was performance-based. And I say that with some significance attached because no one could perform it. Matthew Henry, great commentary uh, commenter, and his commentaries say this about the Old Testament versus the New Testament, the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. First of all, the Old Covenant isn't, Wasn't bad. It was just old. It was going to be superseded by the Lord Jesus Christ. However, the Old Testament did everything to point out weakness and sin, and prove to the Israelites that they could not perform unto holiness. And so they were going to make mistakes, and so they were going to sin. But there was no cure for it. Matthew Henry said this was the problem with it. This is why there had to be a new covenant, because there was no cure. The disease of sin had been fully, fully highlighted, fully spotlighted, fully brought out to everyone to the point where they could see where they would fail day by day. And there was no cure. Jesus was the cure. And this is why that no one can boast about their salvation. It is by grace that we are saved through faith that no one will be able to boast. No one. Does that mean that Rip is a sinner? Nope. Ooh, if I got you thinking now? Sinner means identity. That means before Jesus. I am told in 2 Corinthians 5.17... That we are a new creation. Any man who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has what? Has perished. Died. Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so the old saying, and I'll say it's an old saying because nowhere in the Bible is this a verse. Where it says that we're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We were sinners and we are saved by grace. Let's put a little bit of proper tense on that. Okay. Understand? Are you still with me or you, you want to throw a stone at me yet? Got some out in the parking lot. It won't shut me up, but it might make you feel better. Did you catch that? I don't want anyone going out of here misunderstanding me. If you belong to Jesus, if you've been forgiven of all of your sin, how dare you go around saying that His work was not accomplished in your life at any point? Do you see how religious that old saying is? We're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Now, wait a minute. There's a mixture there. The mixture is such, and I'll repeat it once again. We were sinners. Because we have been saved by grace. Now, it's not to say that you don't need a little bit of repenting along the way, that you aren't going to make a mistake along the way, that there might be a sin here and there along the way. The best thing to do is to be honest before God and not a hypocrite. Be honest before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry forgive me. Done deal. I won't do that again. You ever had to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. I have. Doesn't mean I won't sin. Just means it's no longer my identity. I'm a child of God. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I've been raised up and I've been seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. With him, I'm seated in heavenly places. Not down here grovelling along, yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, that's not giving glory to God, and that's why we were saved, is to give glory to God. Give glory to God. Say how great he is, speak of his goodness, speak of his greatness. And that's what I'm speaking to you about this morning. His greatness. And sad to say, you will not hear that in just any church you go into. Grace. Through faith. You have to believe. If you don't believe, you can't be saved. If you still believe you're a sinner, you're not believing. Hmm? Am I I poking you a little bit here this morning? i got the firebrand angel at work. I want you to think this morning. I want you to examine where you are in the Lord and how far He has brought you and how good He is and show forth His praises. Not to grovel about how, what, human you are? <laughs> That's no surprise to anybody. Amen. For the law was given through Moses. How cold and impersonal. Because John later, so he, so someone doesn't accuse him of blasphemy, because he could be. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see the personal contact? Personal. Personal. It's warm. It's loving. It's kind. Where do we get the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. But where does that come from? God Himself. It is the character of the Lord Jesus Christ poured in us and out of us better known in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is, and I go down through the list of the ninefold, but you know that. You've read this and studied this. Grace and truth came through Jesus. That's what made Him different. That is why people followed Him. <laughs> Some of them followed him just to see what he would do next. Until he started turning over the tables. It's like, ooh, I'm not sure I want to hang around this very long. Or the part where we are to sell all we have and give to the poor. Then come follow him. Or the part where he said to deny yourself. Deny yourself take up your cross. They didn't know Jesus was going to die on the cross when He said that. They didn't know that. They're thinking, man, that's pretty harsh. Then came the point where Jesus said, in the Gospel of John, when He's talking about communion, when He said, my body is real food. And if you don't eat of it, you cannot have any part of me. My blood is real drink. If you don't drink it, you cannot have part of me. You can't be in heaven with me. You remember reading that part? Do you also remember where it said how many people left him afterwards? Jesus went to his own twelve and said, Are you going to leave two? I have a feeling that a lot of people just turn around and said, no, I can't handle this anymore. No, you know, you made me think once or twice, Jesus, but I just can't handle this anymore. And Jesus went to his own 12 and he said, are you going to leave too? Peter said, who else do we go to? You have the words of truth and life. living under grace means living under god's favor but it also means living under his rules amen i don't like rules that people put on church living learned that as a youth pastor and for those of you who don't know me my wife and i were saved out of out of alcohol and drugs and back in 1981 and from that point on everything was brand new and i mean really brand new And uh, just amazing what he did. And I mean instantaneous. And so we learned right away that there's a such thing as rules. And we were told things that we weren't supposed to do in church. Like wear blue jeans. You know me, okay? I'm wearing, you know, I'm pretty spiffed up here this morning. And I don't always preach with spiffed up clothing on, okay? Just felt like putting it on this morning because I felt like it. Grace is about God's favor. Whether you have favor with mankind, people around you, does not change the fact that you are at an all-time high For God's favor. Did you know that? Until He tells you differently. And that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So we can come right back under that grace. But conviction is the number one sign that we're under grace. And that leads us into this part where He says, Out of His fullness we've received grace upon grace, after grace, and after grace. You know what that means? Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. I tried to overthink it. I can't. It means this grace all the time. Grace every day. Grace every day. And it shows up in ways that we just don't know. And we think, you know, it's, you know, amazing grace. How sweet to sound that saved a wretch like me. I shout. In that song, but when it comes down to it every day, I see his grace and I can't, I'll stop and say, oh God, thank you. My wife and I this past week, we had to stop and say, Lord, thank you for your protection. There's a point in every day when we are praying that we will pray for protection. And it usually comes in around the meal, you know, because we're also thanking him for provision. We thank him for his protection. But this past week, we saw it in action. Grace upon grace. We saw it in provision. I mean, it's like, oh, we don't take that for granted stuff. I mean, it happened. There was something there. And it's it's like, wow. Thank you, Lord, for favor. I can't share the details of any of that because I dare not. But it's pretty remarkable. And we are thankful like you wouldn't believe. Oh my. Daily grace every day. <laughs> think about think about John now when he writes Grace upon grace. We've already received grace. In place of grace, upon read other texts on that and find out how many different ways that that is actually communicated. And all comes down to this: every day, in in Luke chapter twenty-two, in verse thirty-five, Jesus was sending out the twelve, and they're sending them out two by two to go and witness. And he says, "Don't take any cloak with you." Don't take an extra pair of sandals. Don't take an extra staff. Don't take any money with you. And they're like, How could we buy anything? That's the point. And he says, All of the time that I was with you to this point, did you lack anything? Did you lack anything? And I ask you, what have you lacked? Lift it up as a praise to him. He's that good. (laughs) One silly little thing. How many of you have hit a deer and totaled out a vehicle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm little stinkers. I was making my way to Petoskey. It was late at night. It was one of those rainy nights. You know, rainy nights you can't see with your headlights very well. Okay. My truck has, has driving lights. It, in the bumper, it has, it has fog lights, driving lights, and it lights up the side of the road. And I love them because I can see deer. But for some reason, I, I'm leaving town and I'm going, where is the, button to turn that stupid thing on there's a button but it's for the light to light up the bed but i can't get it to light up my fog lights i i've done this i don't know how many times down the road coming into town I like to shut them off so people aren't going you know and i like them on so i can see pedestrians at night so i can see dogs and cats at night leaving town so i can see deer in the ditch and i couldn't find that switch For nothing, and it's like, uh, what's wrong with my brain? I can't remember, and guess what happened? I did not see the deer coming out of the ditch. And instead of bolting out in front and me whacking that thing and getting a new truck. I don't want a new truck and I don't want the hassle. I don't want, that thing stopped in the other lane. When I saw it, it was still moving and it was sauntering along and I, whoom, I pulled over almost into the ditch and along the ditch. I'm glad there were no mailboxes right there. Um, and, and it stopped by time I got to it, it stopped. That's another one of those situations. Like, Lord, any other time, it seems like I would have hit the thing. I don't know how many deer I've hit. I don't know how many vehicles I've totaled out. I don't like doing that. Grace upon grace in a daily fashion. Just for some point along the way, the Lord says, weren't you going to talk about that this Sunday? I like this. I like to go through my day, like you, watching for the shadow of his hand to fall across my path. And sometimes that's all you see. Sometimes he speaks. I hear it in my knower. My knower has better ears than my hearers, my listeners. When he speaks here, oh, Isn't his voice wonderful? Is there anything like his voice? Mm -mm. Grace upon grace. And here is John saying, This is the way we lived for three years. Never knowing what he's going to do next. Never knowing who's, they saw the dead raised. Grace upon grace. You can't talk about grace without looking at what Paul said. My grace is sufficient for you. You know what that means? That means something that you've been asking for. The Lord finally answers you and says, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. What led Paul to ask this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12 but Larry if you bring up that section in 12 we're going to look at this and this is this is where Paul starts out and he says because of surpassingly great revelations in order to keep me from becoming conceited I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me what else would Satan do Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. The Lord replied to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. Delight in hardships. Ooh. In persecutions. When people lie about you because of your faith, because they take advantage of you because of your faith, that's persecution. In difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul learned not to complain about that stuff is what he's saying. I don't complain about that. You ever go through your day wondering, okay, am I going to complain today? No, we don't think about that. We just go into our day. But sometimes every now and then I stop and or my wife, she'll ask me, are you having a bad day? And I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm complaining today, aren't I? I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord. We're to complain about nothing. I'll go for, as far as to say, maybe not. You don't feel like this for you, but for me, it's a sin to complain. I don't have to go very far to see those that are less fortunate than me, and I'm not giving thanks to God for what He has done in my life. Don't complain. So, what was what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I know that this has been kicked around theologically for ages. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's right there in front of you. It's a messenger of Satan. Why? It's right there in front of you. So he wouldn't become puffed up, proud. Why? He was a great teacher. He wrote most of our New Testament. Suffice it to say, he had much there to be proud of, didn't he? But if you want to go further as to what the thorn is, it's real easy to see in the chapter in front of that. You ever read about his sufferings in chapter 11 before we get to chapter 12? It's all in context. Read the Bible in context and you'll get some answers out of it that you probably didn't get before. And it's really easy. Yeah, you know, Some say, oh, it was his eyesight. See how big a letters I write to you. Or that he looked funny in his face and people made fun of him and Nonsense. None of that would have bothered Paul. To the point where he would complain to God three times and say, Please remove this from me. It was the hardship. How many times he was whipped, when he was stoned and left for dead. When they hauled him out of town as dead, you don't keep dead people in town there, so they just haul him out here and say, yeah, we can just take this piece of trash out. And they left him there to die. He wasn't dead yet. The Lord raised him back up. Three times he was shipwrecked. How many times he received the 40 lashes minus One. Any of those would cause trauma in my life. But that was the messenger of Satan. That's exactly what Satan does in our lives. It's no biggie to look at it and say that that's a thorn in the flesh. Doesn't make you a theological, theological champion. I'm the least of those. Believe me. And now you're listening to me. Just read the Bible. My grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness I am made strong. My strength is perfected in your weakness. That's what the Lord is speaking over our lives every time we complain, every time it's a hardship, when we lose something in our lives. and Right in the middle of a busy week, our refrigerator decides to go... Did you know that refrigerators just don't break down anymore, they go completely dead? We had a guy come over and look at it and and he told me, he says, You know why this thing died? He says, I could pump some more freon in it, but it wouldn't last very long because the freon that that we have as a standard over our environmentalist crazy country is because it's corrosive to the inside of those lines. And it'll eat its way out and pretty soon go. Now, the good news is it's not like Freon, and we're all going to have a hole in the atmosphere above us. And I don't know if that's true anyway, but I know this is for true that after nine years, that thing died. I thank God for nine good years as it went out the door. I wasn't complaining, I was thanking God that we were going to get a new refrigerator no matter what was going to happen we're going to we're going to have a new one we do how many times when we go through a hardship god deliver me from this and when we find our way to the other side of it we look at that verse In your weakness, I am made strong, the Lord says. Strong. Do you know what that is? What would have happened if the Lord didn't send that messenger of Satan? He would have become puffed up, right? You know what that is? That's pride. What happens with pride on the heavenly scale in your relationship with God? Number one, He will resist you. You have any pride in your life. He will resist you. God resists the proud. Peter said it. James said it. But he gives grace to who? The humble. And so this is the, this is the practical working of that dynamic. God resisting the proud but gives grace to the humble. Paul was receiving grace because of what Satan was doing to his life. He was receiving grace because he was staying humble. Because the Lord was working in his midst. Paul knew what was going on after the third time and the Lord actually spoke to him. And said, it's because of this my strength is being perfected. You want my strength perfected. You want my power to work in your life. You want miracles to happen when you're preaching. You want, you want to be preaching under an anointing. You want to keep on casting out devils to wreck the kingdom of darkness and to cause the church to grow wherever you go. I think a big yes and amen would be to all of that. How many of us would ask God for such things? Why not? I do. I ask God because He's yea and amen. I ask God because if He says no, that's fine with me. If it seems like He's saying no, that too is fine with me. There are so many things that are undone in my life and my prayer life. If you want a big prayer life, mine isn't. If you want a big prayer life, go ahead and try. You're going to have some unanswered prayer. But do this. Make sure you're asking largely of God who is able to give to you and is willing to give to you anything that you would ask or think. In John 15, it says that. If you abide in Him, He abides in you. You can ask whatever you want in His name and it will be done for you. Does that seem like a yes verse to you? Start asking. Start asking. Don't say, Oh... I don't deserve it. Really? You're still alive, aren't you? We all deserve death. All of us deserve death. And so the Lord was working. He says, I want my grace to continue in your life, Paul. I really do. And so much so, I'm going to send you a messenger of Satan because you're starting to get a little puffed up. You're starting to, you know, and we can't have that because you're going to write... A large portion of the New Testament. No, I didn't tell him that, but that's what was going to happen. These are the things that God sees down the road that we can't see two feet in front of us in the spirit realm. Amen. To that I say amen. Do you give permission for the Lord to do anything in your life that He wants to do? Where do you find that scary? There is that little element of the unknown, but do you trust him for that? Trust him. Trust God. Trust him. If you can trust him to save you, can't you trust him for the other? Sure you can. Because you find out how good he is. You're not going to send bad stuff in If you ask for a loaf of bread, is He going to give you a rock? Will He give you a snake? No. You know your Heavenly Father. Ask. Ask. A little story from my past. I understood grace... Not because I I didn't know the Lord as Savior until years later. But my dad had a motorcycle. And I loved motorcycles because of it. I loved motorcycles before it. My dad got a motorcycle. And it was a 1969 Yamaha 350 R3. And that was just the coolest bike Way back in 1972, that was just the coolest bike I've ever seen in my whole life. We had to rebuild part of the motor to make it run good. That's how my dad got it. He said, oh, I can fix that. I'll give you 100 bucks for it. And we got ourselves a bike. Pretty cool. But I went and did crazy things with it. He gave me too much liberty as, as a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old. He'd say, go take the bike for a ride around. The block and I took it for a ride around the block, and just by happenstance, I ran in on that country road. I ran into a friend of mine that had his MGB GT, and he says, come on, let's race, and he knew better. I was going to beat him, but he didn't care because we were both going the fastest we could. That's what racing's all about, and I got home, and my dad heard the bike because you could hear motorcycles a ways away through the country, and I couldn't, He, you know, I was like, you're not, it's going to be a while before you touch that thing again. And I was mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at my dad. I was mad at the world. I was mad like only a, a 14, 15 year old could be mad. And so let's fast forward a couple of years, all forgotten, and never rode that bike again. I never even looked at it. Dad wants to ride it. He can ride it by himself. He's not going to take me for a ride. Forget it. I carried grudges. fast forward to my senior year. My dad and I got along pretty good, except for the matter of the bike. And my dad had no idea how I felt. He had no idea. And so here it is, a Friday night. You know, we're off of school. It's a nice fall day. And my friend came over on his motorcycle. And he says, come on, let's go. And I was getting my backpack ready and it's sitting right there by the door and dad says, he says where are you going? So We're going to go way over to Onaway and we're going to ride the trails and we're just going to pop a tent up and have camp and we're going we're to go do some hunting and have some fun. And my dad says how are you getting over there? And I said Wally's going to come by and get me in about half an hour. And he looks at me and he says I mean I thought I saw a tear in his eye. He says, how come you didn't ask me to use my bike? Ours. And it hurt him. I said, Dad, I didn't think you wanted me to. He says, I want you to. Ask me next time. And he threw me the key. So guess how I am with my Heavenly Father. Ask Largely of Him. Grace. You know, I could go on another hour. Didn't get through all my notes, but there's part of it there. You know what the problem with grace is? Showing it. Because for that part of Godhood in our lives to show forth, something must happen that assaults our willingness to show grace. Sometimes we can show it and somebody just they'll look at us and they'll just they'll break down with tears and they'll go, thank you, I don't deserve this. What can I do to thank you for? But how about the times when you don't want to? Ever have those? I have. Now, granted, I take that up with my heavenly father. And I mean usually right away. And I thank God I've got a godly wife. And I'll say to her, I I feel really bad. She says, well, <laughs> and I'm usually on the phone or visiting the person. Sometimes grace is not easy. It isn't. And sometimes we are called to do things that we otherwise would not do except for what Jesus did in our lives. We say, well, I'll forgive them at a distance. I'm sorry, but that's not forgiving. And don't expect it to fly with God either because Jesus would go right over there and make it work with them. Amen? No, it's not easy. At all. So let's do this. Let's all stand together. Shut things off here. (sighs) Jesus loves you more than anything else he's got going on. Did you know that? You might think that you're not very valuable to other people. Don't think that God thinks that way. (laughs) Because he loves you. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. And I stand with you. I don't like going and having a bad day at work. I'm retired now, so I can still remember those bad days at work, but I choose not to. I know what it's like to have people not like me. I know what it's like. So whatever it is causing you to think that God does not love you as much as he does, I can't communicate how much he loves you. I'm sorry. I wish I could. Except I can say this. Jesus. He lived a sinless life so he could die for you and me. Don't believe someone, well, I think that Jesus sinned just a little one. No, he didn't. His disciples will tell you that. How could I know he didn't sin? How could I know he, he loves you because he loves me? Grace. I rub in to and sometimes rub the wrong way. I just let him know this. God's not done with me yet. He's not done with you. but will you give him the time and the space and all the pieces of your puzzle so you can get to the end of that 10,000 piece puzzle and find one missing. Don't buy a puzzle at a garage sale. But that's what it's like. When you give your life to Jesus, you're giving him all the pieces and you're going to let him put it together, not you. Let him put it together. And all he asks is for you to believe him and to believe what his word says. Believe it. There's a lot in here that pertains to behavior and all that stuff, but I'm not even going to get into that other than this. He wants you to live like he did. Is that enough? That's enough. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for you. A man sent from God full of grace and truth. for the dynamics of grace or thank you for the power in grace. Hallelujah. Maybe you came in here this morning and you probably had a few things happen this past week that You wish you could go back and redo. Well, I'm sorry, you can't, but you can do this. You can say, Lord, give me another chance. And you know what he'll do? He'll give you another chance. (laughs) That's God. The righteous fall seven times and get up again. Lord, I want to thank you. Seven times. Hallelujah. There's nobody like you. If you're here this morning and you need Jesus to save you, you need to be up to date with Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. I surrender down your life before him this morning and just watch how things on the inside change it feels so good to be forgiven by a holy and righteous God and to be loved by a holy and righteous God thank you Jesus Jackie would you play that please